everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weave from Sportsnet. Together we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show. After a game, I think uh, Winnipeg Jets fans should be extremely encouraged by. I take a look at this, and uh, we see the recent stretch they're on. They've now won six of their last eight games. Um, I take a look at this, and I think this is the best game that I saw the Winnipeg Jets play since way back against that game, uh, that game against the Chicago Blackhawks. I, I like the last game they played as well. Um, this one, I know the third period, they, they there was a little bit of pushback. Uh, I thought they weathered it fairly well. The goal that the Coyotes score, uh, I know the Jets get a lot of flack, uh, rightfully so, for allowing a lot of their goals in front of the net. But to me, that goal by the Coyotes to tie that game and send it to overtime is the kind of goal uh, that you have to score against the team who is defending extremely well. And I thought the Jets were throughout the evening. I thought they did a really good job of not just shutting down passing lanes in the defensive zone, uh, which is extremely hard to do, but also shutting down shooting lanes at the same time, doing both at the same time, I don't think is easy. I think if you're trying to shut down passing lanes, a lot of times that means you're giving up shooting lanes and you'll see the way the Winnipeg Jets play in the offensive zone. A lot of times teams will give up passing lanes in order to stop uh, shooting lanes. The Jets were doing a good job of both, I thought, uh, really frustrating them for the most part. So yeah, this game goes into overtime. I know there's going to be a lot of people out there who say, okay, well, this is the Jets against another bottom feeder in the league. It goes to overtime. They pull it out. Yeah, there's a, a crossbar slash post right in the corner that almost went in to end it for the Arizona Coyotes, which, let's be honest, would have been disastrous. The Jets can't really drop any points, especially against teams like that. Would have been disastrous. Um, but the one thing I'll say about this, that's the Jets' third straight overtime win, and this game really reminds me a little while back, uh, if you Kenny and Rennieites out there remember when we had Sammy the Scarf on the program. Sammy Cosentino, one of the things that he'd said, which I thought was really interesting, never mind where this team is in the standings, all those kind of things. And yeah, I'm not telling you not to hope for, for the Jets to make the playoffs or expect a lot from a roster that probably should be ahead of where it is this year. But one of the things he did point out was... You know, Jets fans should be appreciative of what they're seeing, of the excitement that they're getting, of the entertainment that they're getting, of the of the players that they get to watch on a nightly basis, on the goaltender and the saves that he's capable of making, of Nick Ehlers' speed, of Kyle Connors, you know, goal chasing, of Pierre-Luc Dubois is absolutely getting in the kitchen of every team that comes in here. There's a lot of entertainment to be had with this team. And one thing that I'm convinced of down the stretch, whether or not the Jets are going to carry this, you know, because all it takes is couple losses in a row. If the Jets lose their next three games, it's it's basically over, right? And I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying, you know, the bottom could fall out of this on at any moment, given where the Jets have put themselves uh, this season. But I will say this, the Jets look entirely intent on making this entertaining. Breakaway goal to win against the Columbus Blue Jackets in the last game. Breakaway goal uh, to, to win for Mark Shifley here tonight. Uh, we'll have to get into Mark Shifley um, uh, in this. There's, I think there's going to be a lot of talk about Mark Shifley, honestly. Maybe the most talk we've had about Mark Shifley uh, in, in, in that post-game show um, for the entire year. But uh, we'll get into all those things. But I just look at this and I say, you know, I think the Jets, I feel like it's that scene from Gladiator where Russell Crowe goes out and beckons to the crowd and says, are you not entertained? This is phenomenal 
to watch hockey go down the stretch here. Lynn Reimer says right here, this game was hard on the ticker. Glad it ended with the W. You know, it's good to have games that are hard on the ticker with excitement rather than dripping with sorrow. And right now the Jets have given their fans a reason to believe, a reason to think there's a push, a reason for me to be sending pitches to my boss to send me on the road for their road trip in a couple weeks. If they're going to make, you know, that really interesting road trip to Florida, if, uh, if that's what happens down the stretch, but this is entertainment at its best. This is NHL hockey. This is, you know, games that are, you know, hanging on a razor's edge night in and night out. Um, boy, oh boy, the 2005 version of all of us uh, would have taken this and ran with it and been unbelievably happy about it. We'll dig deeper into the game, and the best way to do that is with my main man, Ken Weeb, who's ready to jump into the show here. And you know what that means, the best entry music in the business. Here comes Kenny. Ken, this has been hard for Jets fans. Uh, T. Will <laughs> says the Jets are aging me a lot recently. I get where that's coming from, you know. But again, I want to reiterate this. And some people are taking exception to what I say. And such we trust as are you not entertained a reason to believe to which SM responds. An OT win against Arizona is a reason to believe. I'll go back to this. Uh, I don't look at, you know, that game and think, okay, well, the, how they measured up on this night to the Arizona Coyotes means everything. The points right now mean everything. Nothing else matters. If the Jets had played the lights out uh, and Arizona had won that game and they'd lost, even if they'd lost a point, if that if that shot off the iron goes in, um, it's pretty disastrous. So right now, the only thing that matters are points. When I say reason to believe, I guess what I mean by that is just, I'm not saying reason to believe that this team is going straight to the Stanley Cup final at this stage here. I'm saying there's reason for people that like, they're keeping people tuning into the next game. Right there, this team could have in the last couple of weeks in this stretch where they've gone six and eight or six out of their last eight games. If they'd gone four and eight, they're they're like let's face it, there'd be reason to turn off the TV because their chances would be slim to none by that point. The Jets are keeping their fans engaged down the stretch here. We all know they've put themselves in, into a spot where even today, after all they've done, their their likelihood of their of them missing the playoff is not just high; it's probable. But boy, oh boy, uh, tell me you don't watch that game and aren't going to be tuning in the next game they play against Buffalo. Yeah, Sean, I mean, and, and you touched on it. So this is the thing. Uh, we know it's not a, you know, it's still a tough situation for the Jets to be in. But here's the thing. If you, if you say a team needs to win three quarters of its games and they go six and eight, we're not great at math here, Sean, but that, guess what? That's 75% of your games won. So um, you know, Dave Lauer doesn't have to critique wins. We'll be happy to do so, but mm -hmm. the facts are the facts. The Jets have collected 12 points out of 16. I mean, those are good numbers. I mean, is it good that they 
toss two away against Ottawa? No, but that means they would have to win against one of the higher-end teams. But that's the way it goes. Right now, the Jets are finding a way to stay engaged. Now, again, in order for this to matter, longer than 24 hours, the Jets have to win three in a row for the first time since January on Wednesday against the Buffalo Sabres. So we'll see from there. But it's funny. Uh, this makes this is very interesting to me, Sean. Um, I, I agree with you completely out of the gate. People are not getting... Nobody's saying the Coyotes are a great team, but what we've learned about the Coyotes is that they like to play a run-and-gun game. The Jets didn't allow them to get into a track meet today. Yeah. I, I agree with you completely. Connor Hellbuck was not busy. That was because his team was very strong in front of them, defensively. And I also agree with you completely. Surprise, surprise. That goal is a total fluke for Arizona. Like, let's get real here. Uh, Nick Schmaltz whiffed on his passing attempt or shot or whatever that was. It hits Hellebuck in the inside of the pad. Hellebuck thinks he has it squeezed. And somehow Nick Ritchie just goes to the back door. I mean, that, that's not a failed box out. That's the defenseman thinks the goalie has it. So, right. Uh, the only goal the Jets gave up was more of a lucky or unlucky goal for them. Other than that... I, Connor Hellebuck was not under siege. There were not a abundant. There was not an abundance of Grade A scoring chances, and they were pretty sound defensively. Now again, Carol Carl Vomelka was outstanding at the other end. Jets could have done a little better job of getting to the inside at times. But what do they do? They go to the net. Mark Schleifley gets a goal by going to the net. Something we have talked about on a on a lot of occasions. What did he do? He got to the back post. And, you know, unlucky for speaking of unlucky bounces, Vamelka makes the right play to try to intercept the pass. It rides up his stick and it hits Shifley's stick. So, I mean, that's unlucky for him. So There's both, a little bit of luck there, too, no doubt. Both yeah. goalies had an unlucky goal. Um, yeah, but, but here's the deal. This is why coaches tell you this. And I can tell you there's a lot of guys who score a lot of goals in the NHL at every level of hockey who get a lot of lucky goals because they go to the net. And this sure. is the deal. This is Mark Shifley gets that first goal because he goes hard to the net. He's in the right spot. He's in a place where chaos ensues. Same as Nick Ritchie. If you go to the net and you create chaos, good things happen. That's what the Jets, this is what the Jets need more goals of. And we'll get into it, have been getting more of those goals lately. But I mean, to me, that was such a great sign to see Mark Shifley do that anyways. Yes, and unlucky for Vamelka, not unlucky for Shifley. He, for sure. he he made his own luck. That that's that I was not saying it was unlucky exactly. for the player. It was a great job by Shifley. And if Vamelka wouldn't have got a stick there, Shifley's got a backdoor tap. So it doesn't matter if it goes off the goalie first. Shifley gets credit for going to the back post and getting to that spot that he hasn't spent enough time at lately. Uh, I think uh, Mark's engagement level, I thought, in both of these weekend games was excellent. Uh, we've been talking about it all year, and uh, this is not a, you know, pad your stats with empty net points. Mark's done an excellent job at becoming a point-of-game player at a time when he was well below that mark. Does he get a couple of empty netters? Sure. He's done a nice job. Again, his engagement level in both of these games has been higher. There's no doubt about that. Friday's game, higher. Today's game, higher. Fewer defensive lapses. Doing a better job. I'd still like to see him shoot the puck more, but Sean... I know Dave Lowry didn't want to get into it and he got defensive and that's totally fine because I understand it's a tough spot that he's in. But make no mistake, the move to split up Blake and Mark 
was to wake up Blake and Mark. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And it's work. It's working. Yes, they combined on the overtime winner, but he's asked both of those guys to play on separate lines, and they've responded well because it could have easily gone the other way. Right? I mean, outside of when Blake was playing center, these guys have played together almost exclusively with the Winnipeg Jets when they have both been healthy. So I love the fact that he did it, and I also give the players credit for responding the way that they have. We know, you and I have been talking about this for two years, Blake Wheeler works well with Pierre-Luc Dubois, right? I mean, he plays a nice straight-line game that complements those two players. He's got his legs going. He's got his physical engagement going. He's getting more. Actually, he's actually looking for his shot more, I've found so far, Blake, when he's been moved to that line. And in terms of Mark, I think he's also amplified his game also. I mean, again, Mark's going to benefit from playing with Nikolai Ehlers, but, I mean, they are more of an east-west kind of line when Ehlers is playing with them. And Paul Stastny is a defensive conscience. So, like I said, I like the move by Lowry, and I understand if he doesn't want to, you know, much like Paul Maurice previously, the coach isn't going to go out here and try to get into a, you know, me versus you kind of situation. That's what, not what it is. But when the when coaches make these kind of moves, they want to put their players, their star players on alert. Those players were put on alert and they have responded exactly how Dave Lowry would have wanted them to respond. Well, I talked about this uh, on, on uh, Twitter and got some, some pushback. Um, because I'd said, you know, credit to Dave Lowry for making this move, right? And and a lot of people pushed back. And this is a valid argument. Let me just start by saying I agree with this. A lot of people had said, okay, so you take a move that probably should have been obvious a long time ago, and you finally make it when the Jets' season is basically on life support. Why do you deserve credit for that? Uh, you, you're shaking your head, so I'm going to give you a crack at that, and then I'm going to take a crack at it. Sorry, the crack is that all those people saying that Dave should have done it months ago, those people want Blake on the third line, and now Blake is still playing in the top six and contributing. So those folks can check their own receipts. We're not giving them credit for saying Blake should have gone on the third line because he's contributing in the top six still. Well, I will say this. I think that there's credit to that argument, and and I, the reason I think that is is because when things have gone wrong the way they have this season and when there was success earlier on in the season with those two players on different lines, when things were kind of heading south, you know, and we've talked about this and the players talk about it, you know, in their top six, they can kind of put anyone with anyone and it works because there's so much talent there. The fact that those two players didn't get broken up in the jumble when players like Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor did it, I, I understand, and I have time for that argument. I got all you people out there who are making that argument. I've got a ton of time for you making that ar- that argument. Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley should be broken up at times if things aren't going well. And have they given reason for us to believe that they needed, you know, a little bit of a jolt at times this year? Tons of times this year. So, so yeah, this move probably is a long time coming and maybe a little bit too long. So I'll give credit to the people who are making that argument because, to be quite honest, I think we've been making the same argument down down the stretch as well. And I'm not saying I need to be making the same argument as you uh, to give you credit for it. But I, I, am, I am saying I've got time all day for that argument. That said, whatever has kept these two players together, Ken, whether it's their wanting to play together, whether it's underlying numbers that the Jets see, whatever has been keeping those players together, Dave Lowry finally made the decision to take that in a different direction, and I think it's worked. Why has it worked? I think the exact opposite of what 
Mark Shifley said <laughs> in his post-game avail, Mark Shifley was asked about it, whether or not uh, the, the change has created more straight lines uh, in the games of the two top lines. And I agree. I If that was the assessment, I agree with it. That is my assessment. Mark Shifley entirely disagrees. Mark Shifley thinks it's actually created more east and west play with those t- with those lines and that's not what i'm seeing it's definitely not what i'm seeing from the success of those players and tonight's is a perfect example when you think about all of the goals that mark shifley has scored this year how many of them have him charging the net you know a, a straight line towards that net and and tipping a puck in how many of them have him a couple games ago scoring a goal in which there's a shot from the line and he's standing right in front of the net redirecting that puck in not at the top of the circle away from the pressure looking to make one of these you know passes from the outside and diving in mark shifley if if it was you know back to medieval times and he were a warrior he'd be an archer he'd be that guy who kills you from way outside of the fight Draw, you know, who's got a you know really good aim and firing shots and dropping soldiers left, right, and center. Tonight he took his lance and he charged to the front of the net and it ended up in a goal. We've been seeing more and more of that lately, and we've been seeing the same thing from Blake Wheeler as well. I mean, he didn't score. He said that tonight when he was asked about assessing his line. He thinks he's been getting a lot of chances, and he joked. I love this joke. He says, "We're just getting it to the wrong guy. They keep getting it to Blake Wheeler for these chances, not to the guy who's got you know." 30 goals and probably, sorry, 40 goals on the season uh, in Kyle Connor to score that. But I do think what's happening here is the way that Blake Wheeler is lined up with that line is it's really allowing Pierre-Luc Dubois to take a tiny bit of business defending his own zone, get the puck up ice to to uh, uh, Kyle Connor with speed. And think of this, uh, there was a really great two-on-one in which Kyle Connor got the puck to, uh, to Blake Wheeler, and he took the shot. It was a really, really nice save by Vimelka um, with, with the glove side. But it was a phenomenal chance. And, and what happens in that play is Kyle Connor, who's got a ton of speed, gets down ice, pushes the puck, gets keeps the back the back check and the back pressure behind him with his speed. And who wins the race to the net? Blake Wheeler. Kind of old sense that we used to see from him, where when Blake Wheeler took the puck hard to the net or went hard to the net, it's kind of hard to ignore a six foot five, 215 to 220, 225 pound guy charging at the net at you. If you're a goaltender, that's difficult to do. Right. And, and, I've seen more and more of that from Blake Wheeler, whereas what you typically see when Blake Wheeler and Mark Scheifele are playing together is gaining the zone, slowing things down, going to the top of the circle where Mark Scheifele passes it all the way to the other side or rings it around the boards all the way to the other side where Blake Wheeler is waiting at the other top of the circle and making that play where they're trying to be the archers and and you know take people out from afar. They, it has served those players well to get more involved, to be getting to the net. We saw that tonight. We've seen that in, in the last game. It's creating more opportunities for Blake Wheeler to score. And this is the thing that I think is interesting out of this, Ken. I know people will take a look at some of the games that the Jets played. Let's say, for example, that game against the Golden Knights that they win 4 nothing, And it feels like the Jets played a better game to some people. There's going to be people in here saying, well, what's everyone so excited about? They won 2-1 in overtime against the Coyotes. They just played the, the Golden Knights, a team that they're chasing in the standings, and beat them 4 nothing the other day. Except... They got entirely worked in that game. They had some opportunistic scoring. Vegas had to open up their their risk profile, and they they tacked more goals onto that. 
what you saw here tonight, I believe, and this is this is what I'll be watching for going forward here, Ken, is I think that you're creating opportunities in a little bit of a different manner and sometimes for a team that can score like the Jets. When you create your opportunities in a different way, it takes some time to cash in on those. But eventually you do start cashing in on those goals. And what I expect from that line, Kyle Connor. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois and and Blake Wheeler going forward is that some of those passes that Blake Wheeler gets, he's going to start burying. They're going to get a little more, a bit more dangerous. Their offense is going to start on the rise because they're playing the game the right way. I've said this time and time again. I go back to that game against Vegas. I go back to the game against Chicago. I hate those Jets wins. I hate everything about them other than the points that they were able to earn, but they won the game the wrong way. They weren't playing the right way, and I do believe in the end it cost them against the Ottawa Senators. So while they won those games, it cost Cost them two points because they kept playing the wrong way. They kept patting themselves on the back for outscoring their opponents. And then they got burnt and lost two points against a team they shouldn't have. Since then, they've been playing the right way. Have they been blowing teams out of the water? No, but they've been staying in the fight, doing the right things, playing well defensively, not opening up their risk profile and playing run and gun hockey to try and get a bunch of goals and outscore teams. And in the end, you get two low scoring games that go into overtime. I always like the Jets chances against teams, especially teams like that. And I think you can outskill them in overtime. They've won two straight games. I think they're doing things the right way. And I, games get a little bit harder because now I think Ken, this is five straight games against teams below the playoff line. They have one more against Buffalo. Then things start to get tough, and the Jets better be playing right because the kind of hockey they played against teams like Chicago and the Golden Knights in the past, they are not going to get away with that. First of all, that was absolutely tremendous. That's gold star to the buffet line right there. Absolutely tremendous intensity. I I hit a buffet this morning. I hit a buffet. (laughs) I was at the gates this morning. I hit a buffet. Tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. So get ready for it all night. Oh, man, I love to see it. Love to see it. Um, Man, love, love the intensity. Love a lot of the points being made there. There's no doubt about that. So, yes, we understand this is the soft underbelly of the schedule that the Jets need to take advantage of to stay in the race well guess what they're in the race they're two points behind vegas after today is it a comfortable place where you can kick your foot up like if sean's driving can i put my feet up on the dashboard right now take my shoes off no there's still a lot of runway here okay um not they're not on the the trans canada quite yet but uh, the jets are staying in the race and sean you're 100 right and First, before we get too crazy, uh, I think this was one of the more relaxed and... When's the last time you saw Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler smile at the podium? At the same At the same time. Yeah, so that We know the intensity level and the stress level has been high. Uh, I, I love the interaction. And again, I don't, under, I don't know how much came through on, uh, you know, what was running on Jets TV or what ran on... Um, Sportsnet Central and you know but how about how about the interaction between Blake and Mark when I asked Blake or when you asked between the two of us our questions about the winning goal and Blake sort of you know Mark took it as cheating and Mark rubs him and says that was just great anticipation you mean right Blake where Blake is battling Josh Morrissey are battling the puck comes through Schleifley gets a breakaway and scores and again Blake gives him the old needle right back to him. Mark said he was looking for a spot, and Wheeler says, all I saw was the goalie before you shot. That's funny. That's good stuff. I mean, 
these guys have been under the spotlight for a long time. That's that's how it goes when you're part of the leadership group, and that's when you're one of the better players on the team. I get it. But the fact that they've been able to relax, produce, and help their teams have some success here during the stretch run, of course that's got to feel good if you're those players. So, um, again, I, I thought it was an interesting moment for sure, and I thought it was an important. it's an important time of the year for the joy level to be, you know, reaching Blake and Mark, I think. Anyways, I, I thought wondered what you thought about the exchanges at the podium. Um, I, I, I mean, I thought they were interesting. I thought there was some interesting stuff in there that we should probably get into. Uh, I mean, Mark Shifley is saying that he wants to get back to practice. That's something that we should probably talk talk about in some point here. But I, I what I did like about that, and one of the things I liked, and I'm probably taking things in a different direction here, but one of the things I liked about uh, Wheeler, and one of the reasons I wanted to ask him that question was, the true star of that play that sets up the winner in overtime is Josh Morrissey. Um, and and Blake Wheeler framed it perfectly. The, the, the players coming down the boards and typically in the play, in the, you've got like 20 seconds left in the game at that stage. And if the what you're typically going to do is you're just going to try and keep the guy to the outside. You're not going to do an all or nothing, pin him against the boards, try and turn over the puck and to head the puck up ice. Because if you do that and you fail, the puck gets to the guy behind you who was behind you because Mark Shifley was cheating up ice. And then he's in all alone on your goaltender. And guys like us are sitting here in the post game talking about how Josh Morrissey pinched when he shouldn't have pinched but Josh Morrissey jumps into that play creates a scenario where he's so good on the boards he turns that puck over and and I will say this I do think that was good anticipation on the part of Mark Shifley because I do think that once he saw that puck uh, turned over by Josh Morrissey. That's when he started heading up because he's got a lot of confidence that Blake Wheeler's there and he's going to beat his man to the puck and be able to just simply chip it up in the boards. It's going to be easy. It's it's funny because I take a look at that play and I don't know which player it was from the Coyotes who was down ice there, but there's there's one guy up ice in Mark Shifley. There's one Coyotes player down ice the other way. Uh, and one of them was right. One of them was wrong. Now, we can say all we want. We can say Mark Shifley was cheating for offense. Maybe he was a little bit. But I give the benefit to the, of doubt to the guy who saw the play that that uh, Josh Morrissey made and knew what it was setting up and knew how good Blake Wheeler is along the boards and expected him to win that. I think that th it was going to be a lot easier for him to be open and create a wide open scoring chance than it was for the puck to go the other way. So I give him credit on that. I know that th there's some jostling to be done and had the puck somehow managed to get its way towards the, the Coyotes player, we would absolutely be shredding Mark Shifley. But I think that was a little bit of a hockey IQ that was coming out there this game is over right now because I think Mark Shifley recognized the patterns of what were happening on the ice. We're tilting the ice in his favor, and that's why he's down ice. Agreed. In that ex that example was a great one. It was not cheating. It was good anticipation. He knew that both of his players had inside position, and Blake Wheeler had sealed off Strollman, I believe. I'm not sure. Well, I don't know about that there, Doug. Um, he had, he had, he was on the right side of the puck. He was on the inside of Strawman, and then he chipped it through. Uh, Josh made a nice play on, uh, I think it was Travis Boyd. Uh, the other guy on the ice was Lawson Prouse. So, um, anyways, that's a good read by Shifley, and then he buried it. So, I mean, yeah, 
rightfully so. He is, but there have been times where he has been on the receiving end of criticism. Today he gets praise. He scored both goals in a game the Jets had to win, and his engagement level was high. Uh, I thought Shifley was involved. He finishes the game with four shots on goal, five attempts, 24-12. That's a lot of ice time. But I think he was earning his ice time with his effort. So uh, I like the effort. And Sean, we talked about this. In Thursday night's game, Mark Shifley was under 19 minutes. What happened in the morning on Friday, the safety net is gone. The favorite guy that he loves to play with was no longer on his line. Mark Shifley has responded well. And now it's about keeping that up because the Jets play. Now the Jets won't play till Wednesday. So are they still going to be two points back by Wednesday? Probably not. But they need to win that game against the Buffalo Sabres. And that will end the stretch of the six. And now we must also, you know, at the time Vegas was above the line, they fell below, they're back above. But that's a big stretch for them. And then they got to play Toronto on Thursday in a back to back. So, I mean, the Jets played a busy stretch of the schedule, five and eight. So, plus the trade deadline was in the middle. So they get a day off away from the rink tomorrow. And then they got to come back to work. And they'll have one of those practices that Mark was asking for. Yeah. Uh, one last thing I want to say about Mark Scheifele, or maybe we'll return to it, but you take a look at the stats that he's putting up now. Mark Scheifele is now back to being a point-per-game player. He's got 26 goals on the year. This guy is going to hit 30 goals this year, and he's probably going to go again. He, he, he's You can sure see it. He's going to end up being a point-per-game player. This, I think, goes back to the point I made at the beginning of the year. Uh, sorry, not at the beginning of the year. At the beginning of the show when Sammy was talking about, like, uh, kind of appreciate what you have here or just enjoy it. Enjoy the ride here, Jets fans. Because I'll say this. Believe me, I know Mark Scheifele has his issues. I know he has his problems. I'm not saying for a second that on the defensive side of the puck, he hasn't done things that have you pulling your hair out, and rightfully so. But I will say this. There's a lot of markets that would be unbelievably happy unbelievably overjoyed to have a 30 goal scoring point per game player that they could complain about because he's not good enough for them this is something that is it is a luxury to have a player like that to complain about i mean right now if you're if you're looking at the, the coyotes they've got phil kessel they can root for who is you know i mean he's going for the ironman streak and that's great but i can't believe how many pucks he turned over tonight ken he was he takes chances that don't need to be taken in a game where you shouldn't be taking those chances and creates at least tonight created almost nothing out of it uh so I'll say this, I mean, at least if it, what Mark Scheifele gives up on one end, he's trying to earn back on the other end, or he's, he is earning back on the other end. Uh, again, I'm not saying there shouldn't be an exploration of his role on the team and where it fits and how you use it going forward. But it, having the ability to complain about a 30-goal point-per-game player is a luxury that almost no other market in this league is able to afford. Hey, before we go on, Ken, want to make sure that we get a word in for our sponsors, the Johnson Group, who are a Winnipeg-owned and operated company that provides employee benefit solutions to companies from one employee to 10,000 or more. Over 30,000 Canadian businesses trust Johnson Group with their employee benefit needs through various products, including the Chambers Plan, Maximum Benefit, and Sign Up. Johnson Group is a platinum member of Canada's best managed companies and named one of Manitoba's top employers. Whether you are a sole proprietor, part of a large organization, or an association with thousands of employees, Johnson Group has an employee benefit solution for you. If you want to take care of your employees, these are the first guys you should be reaching out to. Uh, Ken, let's get into Billy Hanley because I know people sure, want to talk about the, him. Uh, we didn't see the, uh, the board, I don't think, on that one. 
Well, uh, we'll t- I'll throw up the board. Okay, Start right with uh, Billy Hanla, with Billy Hanla. Yeah, right on. Billy Hanla, a strong game. Uh, what did, speaking of the receipts, I think folks should go back to Friday's show. I think we talked about Billy Hanla and inserting him into the lineup for you a did? game like you this did? against Arizona. Uh, I liked a lot of his game. Very steady, very calm. One assist in the game for Hanla, 15-28, 19 shifts. Uh, one shot on goal, three attempts, one hit, three blocks, one takeaway. I thought his puck movement was excellent. Uh, a lot of sound plays. And here's another part, Sean. What I also liked was Nate Schmidt's game. He played a solid game again as well. I think there have been times where maybe Nate was trying to do a little bit too much knowing that he had a young partner. I mean, again, today he had a young partner as well. But I thought that those two made good reads off one another. Um, and I thought that the pairing was very effective and efficient when they had the puck on their sticks. I thought they defended well. Um, the most important thing for Billy is to play an assertive type of game. We know he's not naturally gifted when it comes to defending, but when he's making quick, quick reads, that is when he feels good about hockey. I love the way that he played. I think he was excellent overall. I liked how he used his feet. I liked how he used his feet and his stick to defend. And most importantly, this is a guy who trusted his skill set and knew there wasn't time to ease into the tiptoe into the water in this game. If he wants to stay in the lineup, it needed to be more of a cannonball, but a reserve, not a cannonball off the 10 foot or the 10 foot board. He just went off the springboard for his first one. Instead of going for the toothpick off the 10 meter board, uh, he went for a nice, uh, nice dive into the pool. I thought it was impressive. Um, and a quick thing here, too. I, I, Again, I understand people who are going all crazy and, oh, well, Lowry just did it because Logan Stanley's hurt. We don't doubt that Logan Stanley's banged up to some degree. Everyone's banged up by in the games when they're close to 70 on the year. I watched, Sean, you know this, I went down and watched the extra work that was being done. Um, Logan Stanley may have an upper body injury, but he was skating with Charlie Huddy for about 20 minutes after the skate was over. So this is Dave Lowry protecting a player. And again, that's what you expect coaches to do. Dave Lowry knows that Logan Stanley had a rough go a couple times, and it, it makes no difference if he said publicly it was because of an injury. And again, I'm not saying Logan Stanley's not banged up, but this is a guy who needed a break. He got a break, and I think that Billy Hanela earned a chance to stay in the lineup on Wednesday against Buffalo. We'll see what happens. You have a chance. That's not what I said. What I said, the coach made the decision to say what he wanted to say publicly. It doesn't matter why he went in. It's that he made the decision to put Hanela in. Hanela played well. So good on Vili Hanela. Um, that's not to say he couldn't have put him in sooner. Of course he could have. But he put him in now and the player played well. Could there be a rotation down the stretch? Maybe that. Maybe they can have a rotation. Maybe Hanela stays in for a while. But Vili Hanela did a nice job. He didn't fly off the page, but he did the things that he's good at which is what you need to do when you're trying to get more ice time. I'm impressed. He hadn't played a game at any level since March 16th. Hadn't played with the Jets since February 14th. There is a big difference between playing in the American League and the National Hockey League when you're in a playoff stretch. And one other thing, for all the folks who think Billy has nothing left to learn in the American League, that's a, that's a big, big fat wake up for you. Billy can learn a lot from playing in the American League down the stretch drive. Will he learn more by playing against NHLers every day? Maybe. But don't be so dismissive. And don't disrespect the league. If if the Jets don't make it and the Moose are in a playoff run, Billy Hanel has got plenty to learn by playing in the playoffs. 
So just let's remember that as well. But again, I give the guy a lot of credit. Sean, we're on the same page here. We would like to see more of Vili Hainala, whether that's now, whether that was two months ago. But he's still in a battle to win a job, and he took a nice step forward today towards earning more trust and earning more ice time. What do you think of this game? Well, I know people are saying he had like a nice, calm game and that he didn't jump off the page. Um, for a lot of the stuff you're talking about, he absolutely jumped off the page for me. Jumped off the page for me because I thought there was a couple... Of, I mean, these are the kind of games, like you said, he's been sitting for how long? It's really easy as a young player to sit, you know, jump out there and in an effort to not make a mistake, watch the game pass you by. That's not what I saw from him at all. He was absolutely, I thought engaged right off the bat. I thought his best shifts were like his first four or five shifts of the game. Uh, I, I hope that doesn't sound like I'm saying he faded as the game went on, but here's a guy who you're thinking may not be up to speed and is going to be making mistakes right off the bat. I thought he was really, really good. I thought he did, there was a couple times, you know, we talk about his defending. His defending did jump off the page to me a couple times tonight. There was there was times where he had separated the man and the puck and took the puck and got it straight out uh, that I was like, that was a quick, tidy little bit of business. And th these are the little intricacies in the games that I, I don't think, you know, the casual hockey fan or maybe even the average hockey fan realizes that when you get a puck and you turn it over instantaneously, that's the start of your team catching the opposition being in the wrong spot, right? If I go... Ken, you have the puck, and I hit you, and you hold on to it for about three or four or five seconds before I get the puck off you. It gives all of your teammates time and to, to say, okay, this puck is contested. Where is it going to end up? I better get in the right spot in case it ends up going the wrong way. Well, when you can go in and scoop in, steal that puck, and turn it around instantaneously, that's when you catch guys you know, in the wrong spot. And that's when you get, you know, some of what we saw tonight, which we've been seeing a lot from the Jets these days, is the odd man rushes down ice. Kyle Connor is a genius lately at recognizing when his team gets that puck turned over and just snapping, turning, head, heading straight up ice and creating those odd man chances. Vili Hainla contributed that to that tonight. Vili Hainla was one of the guys who made it easier for the Jet Stars to recognize when they had a potential advantage and to head up ice. I thought he was good with that. He helps, uh, get, gets in on, on the points there. There was another couple times that I saw that Billy Hainala got the puck, had his back towards the play, and I was thinking, okay, this is where I've seen him struggle a little bit in the past, when his feet are not facing down ice, but back towards his end, and he's got the puck, and he's kind of got to do the shoulder checks. This is hard. This is a hard part of hockey that people don't think that, you know, NHL players have eyes in the back of their head, and, 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 the rest of the, the world, hockey players, beer league players, they don't, right? It's it's something that's really hard to develop is that peripheral ability to take a little look over your shoulder and assess the play going in the opposite direction. I think he improved on that. Whatever he's done, whatever his time down in the AHL has done for him, I saw a play where he turned and he gave a little look over this side of his shoulder and there was a player coming in pressing him and all of a sudden it was a backhand sharp pass off the boards, straight to a Jets player who is waiting there. And I, I don't think he saw that player. But what I do think is he looked and saw where the Coyotes players were and knew from studying the Jets systems, which are the same as the Moose systems, that there was going to be a Jets player here and saw that he was open, not because he saw the player, but because he trusted that the player should be there, put the puck there. It was a quick, tidy little bit of business to get out of the zone, to 
defeat things and again put put the puck to a spot where I don't think the opposition thought he was going to get it to and created more opportunities. I thought he was really, really, really good tonight. He became a little bit quiet as the game went on, but if you can get quiet out of a rookie and not be pointing out his mistakes, you did good. So for me, for him to jump off the page at the beginning of the game and then carry things out and get quiet and do all the right things as the game went on, that to me was a phenomenal showing by Vilja Hanley. He keeps doing that. There's going to be no reason to take him out of the lineup, in my opinion. Yeah, loved his game on a lot of those fronts too. And and again, I wasn't trying to downplay it. I just thought he was very solid, very steady. He didn't go crazy, but he was solid. And like you said, he did the things he needs to do to be effective. So, um, you know, good on him for doing that. Uh, quick one there too. Lynn makes a great point. I mean, what a game for sports, Sean. I mean, I know you were watching the game. Yeah. I mean, pretty yep. impressive. I mean, tough, uh, tough loss for Kerry Ironson and her crew Saturday night against Korea, but uh, they responded yeah. well today with a big win. And, uh, man, a lot of the football soccer fans in this country, man, they're fired up. Um, our good buddy Peter, my good buddy Peter Labardius was at the game in Toronto today. Uh, said it was one of his, you know, he loves Team Canada. He loves sports. He said it was one of his most enjoyable sporting experiences, and he's had a few. Yeah, so, uh, sweet Pete Labardius, pretty, the pretty players cool. used to in, call him when he called Junior A hockey in the SJHL. Yeah. yeah, anyways, exactly. So anyways, that was a good moment for uh, for a buddy of mine there and happy for him. I mean, usually I'm the one who's got the old golden horseshoe when it comes to attending events, but uh, what a pretty cool moment for the country uh, to qualify and uh, to, for Qatar there. But uh, man, yeah, I mean, so speaking of defensemen, jo- uh, Sean, I mean, you touched on the play Josh made on the overtime winner. Uh, again, just a quick Josh Morrissey appreciation here, okay, folks? 26-46 today on 24 shifts. Three shots on goal, two hits. I thought he was excellent again. I mean, this is... I don't care if I sound like a broken record. Josh Morrissey has been the Jets' best defenseman all season long. He's been fantastic, and he deserves credit for doing so. Because if we were checking a few of the receipts, a few people didn't think he had this in him anymore. Uh, and good on him for finding a hap- finding. You know, solace in the rink and really elevating his game and getting back not only to the level he wanted to play at, but Josh has continued to push himself uh, to be at an excellent level. He's been a first-pairing defenseman all year long, and he's doing a bang-up job. Yeah, just a quick just a quick interruption to that, Ken. In our chat room quite a bit last year and early this year, there was a lot of calls to move Josh Morrissey. there, And I noticed that those have gone quiet. So uh, should we go back and check the receipts? I'm sure we'll see some people in the chat room who've been talking about moving him along. He's been phenomenal. There was a play tonight. And what I like about him is he takes what the offense gives him. Um, and you saw that in the play tonight where he, he you know, kind of slowly went in, and, you know, was looking for a pass, looking for a pass. The defender kept giving him space, and then he just took it straight to the net. Love that. But Josh Morrissey's ability to jump the route on uh, uh, the Jets do a really good job of playing the boards. They take it up the boards, they swing it around, it goes to the other side. Other teams try and do that against the Jets, and they can't do it because Josh Morrissey has enough mind to not only cover his player off, kill the passing lane in front of the net, 
to the play, the man that he's covering, try and kill the shooting lane on anyone who's coming in there. But he's also got an eye knowing that when his team traps that player and they try and just reverse the cycle and throw it down the boards, go watch this in a game. How often Josh Morrissey gets to that puck before the player does, realizes before the offense does where their, their partner or sorry, their teammate is going and jumps in and kills those plays. And again, those are the plays that a player reverses and thinks we've got all the momentum here. All of a sudden, Josh Morrissey has the puck and you're heading up ice. He's been doing that like crazy this year. He is in the minds of, of, of the team that he's playing. He knows what they're doing before they're doing it. He's jumping routes, creating opportunities. He's been phenomenal. He defends really well. Uh, and again, I, I do think that time and time again, he creates the right kind of offense. I'll go back to something I said earlier in the season. I don't know why they need to send the helicopter out here twice on the night, but it's out here, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully it's not too loud. But I want to reiterate what I was saying earlier in this season. Josh Morrissey could be a much higher scoring defenseman. But his makeup, his DNA, or maybe it's not his DNA because he was a pretty high-scoring WHL player, but what he found worked for him at the NHL level was being a defender first and an offensive player later. Josh Morrissey, you know, and I guess he doesn't have a contract to play for, so there's no reason to do this, but could go out on a nightly basis and try and lead this team in scoring and try and push to be a top 20 goal scorer or goal scorer or point producer as a defenseman in the NHL. And I truly believe he could do it. And I have advocated in the past saying that I think he could up his risk low, his risk profile a little bit more than he does but he chooses not to because he chooses to try and defend first and create on the other end of it um i think he's his balance is phenomenal this year he's creating but his defense is i I mean is is there a better defender on the winnipeg jets this season than josh morrissey i don't see it uh and i think he leads the team in the right kind of offense i think it was much, much deserved that he was one of the six players out on the ice in overtime the way he was. And I'll say it again, the winning goal happens tonight because of Josh Morrissey, because Josh Morrissey makes the exceptional play that takes uh, possession away from the Coyotes and who knows, maybe even one last gap offensive chance for them with 20 seconds or so left on the clock, turns that puck over, uh, surprises a a Coyotes player that is not expecting him to jump up into the play. Absolutely phenomenal. He, he, to me, uh, you, you, Ken, you were the first one on this, I thought, who really, really recognized what a turnaround season this has been for Josh Morrissey. If you check the receipts on that one for Ken, he bought that stock early and it has gone a straight line up ever since. Uh, Get your stock tips from this man here, people, uh, because he's been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Let's go to Hellebuck. What did you see from him tonight? Uh, quickly, it will, yeah, I love Hellebuck. But while the uh, while the lawnmower is out, let's get the headband up. We're running out of time. Here. Okay, let's go. Let's, do let's it. go. I, yeah. I saw it was called the, earlier. I hit forgot. Hit the music. Hit, hit the music. Hit the music, everybody. Time for a Sean's headband version of the Kenny and Randy show. Someone in the chat room said it a little while ago, Ken, that I gotta find out a way to make that like my ringtone on my phone. That is entirely true. 
And you know what? This is a, a, a maybe not a well-known rule uh, outside of this, but in the media, uh, if you ever leave your phone on during a press conference, uh, the players will always say that's a fine, or you got to you're supposed to buy everybody supper. Paul Maurice loved that one. I would take the fine and play that one right in the middle of the press conference, and I would I would obnoxiously stand up and just let it play, and then I'd answer the phone and be like, yeah, 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 no, sorry. I'm in the middle of something right now. I'll have to get back to you. And then I'd say, continue on, everybody, because that song is so good. I can act like that. I can act obnoxious if that's what I'm doing. That yeah. that, that's when we're like torts, when you when it's your mom calling and you hand it over to torts. Uh, and he says, hey, uh, Aaron's a little busy. Uh, we're in a press conference here. Uh, but, yes, uh, fire up the ringtone. Uh, Hellebuck steady. I mean, again, I didn't like the goal, but I don't really blame – I don't really blame Hellebuck. Uh, some people were saying, oh, he should have had or squeezed his pads. I mean, like, literally, that was a flub by Schmaltz for me. It wasn't like he was trying to tap it through his five hole, get it there somehow back door. And it's, I saw ca- someone, it's, it's chaos. It's chaotic though. play. I, I, no, I, 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 I love those goals. Like, I love Shifley's goal. This was the right kind of offense tonight. At this time of year, this is the right kind of offense. And I don't I don't blame it on the goaltender. This is what happens. Whatever his shot is, this is what he's expecting. But there's a stick in the way and another stick in the way, and you're trying to be mindful of the fact that it can ping-pong in a couple of different directions. That's That was the only way you were scoring on him on a night like tonight. They did the right thing to go at the net the way that they did. But to your point, I don't. I don't fault Hellebuck for it. I mean, that that's that's how you beat a goalie who's on the way that Hellebuck was on tonight. Agreed, and I appreciate Schmaltz's play. Don't don't get me wrong either. And I know that's not what you're saying, but just in, in case folks are wondering, I, I think it's a smart play by Schmaltz. I'm just saying it's more of a a lucky an unlucky play for Hellebuck. And someone said, "Oh, Dylan should have had beat Richie to the back post." I mean, you're not expecting the puck to go there, so just because the guy is closest to the player who scores does not mean it was his fault. That was just an I think, unlucky play. I think he was moving in to clear a puck should it have been there, and it just got to a backdoor spot where a guy who looks like he's – I mean, that that's a little bit of a – I'm going to say that's a little bit of a hope play. There is one thing I find is that – oh, jeez. There was someone the other night in a different game, and he went, oh, I, there was an opportunity in the last game that Stastny was way off to the side, and a rebound came out. And he shot it, and it was uh, uh, Merzlikens jumped out and stopped it with his chest. And I was thinking to myself a little bit of, well, what is what is Paul Stastny doing over there? Like, I played hockey, and I went to that spot probably 400 times when I played hockey, and the puck never came to me once in that spot, and yet it found its way over there for him. This is sometimes those players who know how to score and just have a sixth sense about where to go. I don't think this was a sixth sense play for, for uh, uh, sorry, remind me who scored the goal? Nick, uh, Nick, Nick Ritchie. I don't think it was a sixth sense goal. I just think he happened to be hoping and praying that he was like, well, if the puck ever made its way over here, I'll get to tap it in and it'll be a free goal. And it just happened. I thought that thing that was a hope and prayers goal. Uh, So I'm like you, I don't necessarily fault the Jets defense for being in the wrong spot. But I have time for the argument of saying people should just stay in between their man and the net. So uh, I don't fault it. But I think that the people who are, are calling Dylan out on that, I, I don't necessarily fault them either. I don't think it's a clear – it's not a clear 100% play. They may be right. Uh, we may be right. You never know. Okay, so, again, we asked this the other night. So who's – we got a back-to-back coming. With a two-day break between games, 
does Comrie get one of the next two starts? Uh, okay, listen. As as good as Hellebuck has been, as as you know, he had the, the shutout the other night. He did great tonight. He only allowed one goal. I know they want to ride him down the stretch here. To me, especially in back-to-back situations, Comrie has given you a chance. Again, I, I never got to say this on the show. If if Comrie had played this season the way an average backup had played, and I think a lot of people expected him to play worse than an average backup, if Comrie had played as an average backup this season, we wouldn't be talking about the Jets' slim chances of making the playoffs. We would be talking about the Winnipeg Jets having missed the playoffs right now. He is, in my mind, based on what happened, one of the factors that has kept this season alive. I talked about it again. It's slim to none. I talked about it off the top of the show here. You know, the Jets are keeping hope alive, you know, giving us a reason to keep tuning in. That wouldn't be the case right now. We would have moved on from the Winnipeg Jets at this stage or fans who, you know, were were less engaged would have moved on from this team if not for Comrie. I think it would be a massive mistake not to put Comrie in one of these games. I think he's earned it a hundred times over. That said, I I, I don't know the way this this is going to turn. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't use him, but I think it's a mistake not to. What if you use him Saturday against L.A.? There's no travel between Buffalo and Toronto is very minimal. There's two games after tonight. Two-day break between games. Uh, Hellebuck just, was sharp. Just, just why? What? Why not eliminate the back-to-back? I don't know. Do you why, why go and do that? And I, I know they did something similar here recently. I just don't understand why. Like build the argument for me, Ken, because I because I'm my, I'm drawing a blank. I can't think of one. I can't think of why you would play Connor Hellebuck back to back on on Wednesday and Thursday, and then give Comrie the start on the weekend. I can't think why you would do that. I don't know. It just spreads the games out. I mean, Cal Hellebuck just had a break, and then he had a two day break, and now you're get he's going to have another two day break before Wednesday. I mean, I mean maybe keep some sharper. I don't know. I mean, it's it's just a theory. I'm not I'm not certain. I, I, again, that takes me back to my original assessment. I mean. So is Hellebuck starting Wednesday or Thursday? If if Comrie is playing one of those games, who is the starter playing against? So I think that this is the way I would do it. I think that uh, Buffalo's been playing really good hockey lately. Okay. They went to all time against the New York Rangers. So I, I down the stretch, these these six teams that the Jets are playing back to back to back, these six straight games against below playoff line teams, this game against Buffalo, I think is the most dangerous. I think they're the team that is actually playing the right kind of hockey right now. I know Arizona was lighting it up here and there, but to your point, Arizona wanted to play track meet hockey, suckered some teams into it, and won some games that way, right? Um, Vegas, to me, was a broken team when they came in here, uh, and despite playing a good game, couldn't capitalize on anything they did, so I think that they were they were an impotent team when they came in, right? Chicago, I thought, didn't take the game seriously at all, and I think it's something that you would have expected. Columbus, uh, maybe I'm not giving them enough credit, but I do think Columbus was a team that not that long ago was making a push, and never mind, I know this from talking with people in Columbus. They thought that they were making a push, and they were in the same miracles-could-happen mindset that the Jets were in not long ago. And then they had their hearts broken by Washington, and they're broken now. They don't think they're making the playoffs. They know they're not making the playoffs. So that game was all about for them 
the the uh, the the return of Patrick Line and Jack Roslick here, whereas the Jets could at the very least, it could be about that, but they could focus in on hockey and what we need to do to get to the next level. And I we said this on the last show. I think Patrick Line's nervousness caught up with him in that game. So they were a vulnerable team in that respect. Uh, the, the the Ottawa team they came in here I know they won that game I know they looked like they played well I think they play, they looked like they played well because the Jets game had been getting worse and worse and worse and then they laid an egg in that game this out of those six games I think is the true to form most dangerous team so I think you give your team an an opportunity to be sparked by Eric Comrie let him play that game we heard Nick Ehlers talk about him the other day how they feel about him let those feelings go so that you get your absolute best game and you don't tail off against a team that is is uh, really dangerous right now. And then you set up Hellebuck for the marquee matchup. You send Hellebuck out there against, his, I, I don't know if it's going to be his his friend uh, Jack who's playing, um, but you you give him an opportunity. I think he's injured right now, isn't he, Ken? Yeah, he's, yes, he's yeah. injured still right now. I believe, yeah. But the fact of the matter is, I l- listen. If we think of some of the stuff that happened last year, we know Connor Hellebuck won a game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think we're expecting it to be charged based on what happened earlier in the season with uh, with Stanley. Although he's, I'm thinking maybe not going to be in the lineup based on what we're seeing happening here. But you give Connor Hellebuck the bright lights of Toronto against a team there's a little bit of built-in hate towards a lot on the line I think Hellebuck's the guy you want in that game so that's what I would do I would go Comrie then I would go Hellebuck do you have any thoughts on it yeah no I mean I certainly would would be it would have no problem with that it just it's been it's kind of it's still kind of rare to see the backup get two out of four I mean that's my only I wouldn't call it a concern it just you know that you know that Comrie can stay sharp after a break so um but again, I mean, I could, I understand the argument of not going back to back as well. I mean, uh, I totally get that too. I just think that Hellebuck is starting to get into a groove. So I don't know that not playing him on Wednesday because you're going to play him on Thursday. Now he goes from Sunday to Thursday without playing. So again, that, I'm just presenting the other side. I'm not saying that that's how they should should go. I just think it's a it is a possibility that will be explored. Uh, you know, it's going to be a high volume game against Toronto. Um, you know, I could also see the Jets starting Hellebuck on Wednesday and Comrie on Thursday. I mean, we've also seen this strategy from coaches. It puts your team on high alert in the back end of a back-to-back. Um, but I also think it would be possible to see them playing, uh, seeing Hellebuck playing both and then maybe seeing Comrie on Saturday against L.A. But again, the Jet, this is the good news for Dave Lowry. He's got two good goaltenders he can lean on. This is not a hard decision for him because he knows that he can trust both guys. So... Um, I think it'll all come down to how Hellebuck is feeling physically, and then they'll kind of go from there. Uh, You know what Gary says, no matter what happens this year, clean house, all the coaches go. I'll say this. Remember last year, Ken, and and I said this in our Kenny and Randy shows, when the Jets went down the stretch and lost all those games in a row and seemed lost right before they were heading into the playoffs uh, and kind of turned things around right at the end when it went into the uh, first round against um, Edmonton. I remember that was the first time that I had ever felt I know people had been calling for Paul Maurice's job for a lot of years before that. It was the first time I had ever felt that there was an actual possibility that the Jets would move on from Paul Maurice in the offseason. Now, when they won that first round, I'd said, forget about it. They're not moving on from him. Uh, that's not happening. Um, but I, I guess 
I won't go with Dave Lowry and I won't go with the coaching staff, but we've talked about this in the past. And I think that there's potentially a feeling that if the Jets had entirely fallen apart down the stretch here, that there would be a very obvious strategy going into the offseason that the Jets would, you know, maybe be making some fairly large structural changes in order to change the makeup of this team. If the Jets keep doing this down the stretch, what they're doing right now, and they don't make the playoffs, do you think what is happening at the moment, what we're seeing from the Winnipeg Jets, is enough to stay the changes that I think we thought, that I do believe most definitely would be coming had they stumbled down the stretch here? Yeah, I mean, this is very simple to me. And I, again, my, you know, the old uh, March mailbag is wide open and I have gotten. I would say 70% of the questions that I've received are about the coaching staff and who's going to be the next coach. My opinion hasn't changed. I mean, the Jets will determine who the coach is going to be after the season is over. They committed to Dave Lowry for the season. How the Jets respond during the stretch run will determine whether or not Dave Lowry is going to be able to keep the job or not. I mean, I'm not out here to say it's going to be this person. You need to know who the pool of coaches available are, for one, and you need to see how the team responds. I mean, how they respond. Do they stay in the race? How do they respond if they don't stay in the race? Do they get into the playoffs? How do they play if they get into the playoffs? What we know right now, Sean, is that the Jets have not folded. So uh, are there is any to improve in, of course, but they're still in a battle for a playoff spot. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think that that's entirely true either. I mean, uh, we know there have been some changes. Special team, you know, again, penalty kill. No, no, no. I think, I think what Gary is saying oh, is sorry, his yes. suggestion is in the offseason, new coaches, new system, new philosophy. Oh, I mean, that, what I'm also saying is, I mean, that's fine if he's saying that. But I, I think that Dave Lowry is implementing parts of the new philosophy that a lot of the fans that are unhappy with coaching, including the current coaching staff, is already making moves to move in that direction. So uh, I just don't think that it should be as dismissive. Uh, I think that uh, we're going to have to see what happens. And again, like I said, I'm not trying to stay on the fence. What I'm trying to do is the perspective is this. You can't predict how the Jets are going to play in these 15 games. If they tank, well, that will tell you the story. That either means you're going to change coaches or you're going to change players. If the Jets play well down the stretch, then we'll see. I mean, Dave Lowry is still a candidate to be the coach next season. I don't care if people like it or not. That's a fact. So, But how the Jets respond will ultimately probably determine which way it goes. What is happening here? Did did, did uh, Will Smith uh, lip off Chris Rock after winning or something like that? I, I'm trying to piece this together. We should probably get off the show if we're going to talk about that. Hey, one last thing I wanted to touch on before we left, uh, and, and you don't have to go down this road, but but I would like it if you would. Didn't you have a conversation with uh, an official, a hockey official, in the last couple of days who had all kinds of time for my argument that the chat room just slaughtered after our last show? Well, I mean, I'm not sure he was totally on your side. I think he would like. He said he would like to watch a game with you, and he would help uh, help enlighten you on how officials think during the games. I'm not That's, sure you totally was on your side. In that terms didn't of the sound, that didn't sound like what you texted me. I guess I lost that in the text. It was interesting. <laughs> let's see. Let's see what you said here. Let's see what you said. And uh, hey, I'm not sure that that was for public record, buddy. I mean, okay, you need to be fine. able to have I the conversation first. I but. won't. Then, then, then you better, you better 
bring onto the show what you're bringing in here if that's the case. Anyways, <laughs> I, I felt I plug I, the I, merchandise I, and let's get out of here. I All read right. that and I felt vindicated. Anyway, well, I'm glad I'm, that uh, you did. I'm glad here we go. Um, before we do go, everybody, uh, merchandise, if you want it, if uh, you were yelling wake up at me last show, like a lot of the people I know you were in the chat room, why not have a shirt that you can point to in that situation? <laughs> why not have a wake up mug or a water bottle? If you're digging what you see, if you like Sean's headband, we got headband Sean's headband shirts and we've got K&R shirts. All you got to do is go to www.shopsportsnet.store. Uh, we'd appreciate your help with that, everybody. Uh, really, really appreciate uh, your support in that event. We appreciate it here in the chat room. Thank you so much for joining us. A couple days off here, maybe a Jets practice. And then after that, we'll get back at it as the Jets get out on the road to play the Buffalo Sabres. It's going to be a good one. Everything, uh, they're still in it. It's still interesting. Let's hope it stays that way right till the end here, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.